Go ahead, George. You're just going to cut me off anyways. Yes. From the 905, wherever you are, this is Chihuahuas. And let's welcome our returning guest, the absolutely wonderful yet ugly as fuck, Bill Chase. The gorgeous yet sexy bald-headed man himself, Jordan Lloyd. <laughs> and you're one, you're only, the host with the most, George Mackay. Now let's send it off to our host for the evening, our master of ceremonies, the only inbred man with an IQ of less than 50, Adam fucking Hey! You know, I'm going to have to, like, pay Jesse Amato royalties with every time you give me the nickname fucking in between. But, you know, yeah, regardless, <laughs> I, 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 the intro. I appreciate you doing the like intro because it saves me from doing it all the time. So um, I said nice things about everybody. Except for me, but that's fine. What else is new? But I also I said also... Bill Chase looks like an ugly piece of trash. I look great. But he's got a great shirt, though. Oh, fuck. I do. I, I got a great one, too. See? But yes, you do. Yes, you do. There we go. Uh, of course, we're not talking about CM Punk or Jim Cornette tonight, though. We are talking as the reason why you're all here, as you also clicked on the link. It is determine what is the greatest SummerSlam match of all time. Now, to be able to do this, we took 16 matches uh, based on a list from Bleacher Report to be able to kind of do this uh, and kind of put them together in our randomized hockey style tournament. And to be able to determine what that will be. Of course, we've done tournaments in the past with a lot of these individuals being on the panels. So this should be uh, a whole lot of fun to be able to have these three incredible minds when it comes to professional wrestling, give their input and their insight as to who they think and what will be the greatest SummerSlam match of all time. So, of course, it is going to be majority decision of this, so it does not have to be unanimous. If it is, fantastic. But it at least has to be two out of the three. We will not be having to go to a wheel. I am talking about the future right now. Bill knows exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, I do. You'll have to figure that out when we get to there uh, in the future, ladies and gentlemen. So, of course, for this SummerSlam match, uh, before we get to there, Jordan, why do you think SummerSlam is considered why most? And do you would agree is it being called the best party of the summer and the WrestleMania of the summer? Do you think it deserves that category and that fame? Yeah, because they they put all the effort and the money and the promotion into making it that way. Like it's basically WrestleMania B. It's like you have WrestleMania in the early, in the early part of the year and like the maybe late early spring and then you hit summer with SummerSlam. they they treat it like wrestlemania so yeah it definitely does george what about you uh yeah i would say so i mean the four majors are always a prelude to everything the storylines intertwine into them so you start with royal rumble you go into wrestlemania you got SummerSlam, and you finish finish it off survivor series these are classic like the four the four pillars if you will not to be cliche or label them with the another four pillars that shall not be named because we're not talking about that company. We're talking about this company. There you but go. yeah, I, I would consider uh, SummerSlam. I don't really know if it's WrestleMania B. That's the only thing I would, might disagree with. But I mean, I think the four majors all have a class of their own. And they're all special in everyone's heart. Bill, what about you? Would you agree with the idea that it's like a WrestleMania B? Like, where would you put it out of the four? Like, of the original four? Oh, absolutely. I believe that it is the uh, probably the second biggest event next to WrestleMania because they've always hyped it that way. I thinking back to even the early origins of it. Now, Survivor Series technically became like were not technically, but actually was before. And the Royal Rumble was technically before, but not a pay per view. Those were original, different concepts of the way to do a show. Whereas I think they did something to complement WrestleMania coming afterwards, and you can see they really put a lot behind it, especially in the second SummerSlam when they did the Hogan Zeus thing and you can see why they're doing that crossover deal and it drew big numbers. So I think they've always gone to their way to draw huge for SummerSlam on almost on par with WrestleMania in some years. All right. Well, there you go. So that of course is your guys' opinion. I completely agree with you in that sense too. I was always a big Royal Rumble guy as well, but I think that's also because, you know, you're just getting into mania season. You really want to hype that up. Yeah, but did anybody there's ask been so your many, Nobody asked. No, but I'm just saying nobody, there's been so many great it, iconic though. moments in SummerSlam history and of course so many great iconic matches, which again, which is what we're talking about today. So without any further ado, let's start off the first round right now. The number one overall seed taking on the number sixteen overall seed. The number one seed is the Intercontinental Championship match from SummerSlam 92, British Bulldog versus Bret the Hitman Hart, taking on the number 16 seed from SummerSlam 2011, CM Punk versus John Cena for the WWE World's Championship. Phil, we'll start with you because you got the shirt on. But what are you picking? <laughs> what is your pick? What is the bigger matchup between the two and why? Um, well, I mean, you got two of my guys uh, on opposite ends there, uh, both yeah. Bret Hart and CM Punk. Uh, but at the same time, 
I got love for Bulldog, and I don't mind Cena. But, um, again, that Intercontinental title match and everything behind it, uh, just the story, even even the backstory behind the scenes leading up to it, with Bulldog pretty much being very unhealthy on a binge with Neidhart or whatever leading up to the show, uh, according to Brett's book and a few other accounts, um, I guess. And I think Road Warrior Hawk was there with them, too, and it just, they just got all messed up for weeks leading up to it because all the TVs were taped. And... Um, yeah, I, but at the same time, Brett, I mean, no, Bulldog still kept up with him, so I'm not discrediting him, but Brett literally had to guide Davey Boy through that entire, I think that match went out well over 20 minutes, through that whole thing, and it was a remarkable performance. The story leading up to it was great. It was unique, because again, two baby faces, I mean, it happened with Hogan and Warrior before, but it didn't happen that often back then. Nowadays, you almost see it every week. Um, and also to Brett, again, not, not afraid to kill his buzz going a little bit heel that night as well. I think that that actually helped the match too. He wasn't, I mean, Brett may have an ego, but he knows to tell a good story. And, um, yeah, I just think it was just an amazing spectacle of a match. I think that's probably what made Vince decide to put the title on him a couple months later. So, and it's Davy Boy's biggest moment. So, in all that regard, in the match itself, which was just, you didn't know who was going to win. You really didn't know. Were they going to pull the rug out from under Bulldogs? The whole hometown thing hadn't really come into play much in wrestling back then. So, and again, Brett was one of their biggest push stars. Davy Boy was pushed high in the mid card, but not to the point Brett was, not even close, really. All right. So, I, I'm going to go with that, though. I mean, Punk and Cena was great. It was really good match. I, feel, I still think the Money in the Bank one was miles better. But the whole Triple H deal, uh, him getting involved, that whole thing, kind of didn't kill it. But it, like some people say, it just kind of was an already good thing. It, 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 like, it kind of like just, it was already a good thing. Why did he need to be there? So I'm going to go with Brett and Bulldog because everything about that was just off the charts. All right, Hart and Bulldog, one vote for there. George? Uh, yeah, this one was a no contest for me. There was only one match that was ever going to be decided. And thankfully, Bill leaned my way because I wasn't going to get into a pissing contest over CM Punk. Nothing about the CM Punk run of any kind impresses me. I'm sorry, that match at 2011. And it's not because you're wearing the shirt, Bill. It's not. I've just never been a CM Punk guy. I don't really see him the way other people do. I see him. Hey, listen, I didn't make any faces when you were fucking talking. Okay, you fucking toupee-wearing motherfucker. I'm not Shut even up. saying anything. Yeah, but you're... I'm not worried about toupee. I'm clearly bald. Yeah, that's true. Okay, you are fully bald. Um, no, but I just... Nothing about the CM Punk run impresses me. So uh, him and Cena at uh, 11 was... Eh? to me so yeah for me brett and bulldog was a better story overall from the build to the after to the match so yeah i'm going brett and bulldog all right jordan it's already a decide right there brett and uh, bulldog moving on the second round would you have agreed with that yeah i would have went the same way all right anything you want to add to that or you just want to move on well no because i agree the the money in the bank match was the superior match that the two of them had so the, i don't even remember honestly a lot of that stuff from that SummerSlam match was that was the one that Kevin Nash came out at yes. the end? Wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. Remember that and not really anything out of the match. So, like, that probably says something. All right. Well, there you go. Bret Hart, Bulldog, moving on to the second round. Uh, the next matchup is the number three seed taking on the number 14 seed. It is from 2013 CM Punk versus Brock Lesnar. No disqualifications versus the 2008 SummerSlam match. Between The Undertaker and Edge, Hell in a Cell. George, we started off with you for this one. Taker and Edge, Punk and Lesnar. What moves forward? Again, based on the individuals in the deciding factor, it, my decision has already been made. But no, the superior match was Undertaker and Edge. Hands fucking down. I don't even remember CM Punk and Brock Lesnar in a notice qualification match. I don't remember any match where Brock Lesnar doesn't sweat before he hits the ring. So... <laughs> That's the point. honest. That's the honest truth of the matter. Like I, I, I don't remember that match. Uh, I did. I'm gonna have to go back and watch it. I'm sure if I watch the entire 2008 SummerSlam, I'll probably skim through it or end up hitting the bathroom break. Because again, Brock Lesnar is like Adam Hayes in the bedroom. Got a minute 48 max. So, uh, wish yeah, it wouldn't be timing me, but go on. Well, no, I just. He's got a kid at that minute 48. Fuck. Dude, three million to one shot. Somebody's gonna. There's definitely gonna be one sperm that wins the fucking race, bro. Come on, dude. So you're going to take her an edge, correct? Yes, take her edge. Okay, Jordan, to you. I'm probably in the same boat where I don't remember a lot of what actually happened in that match. 
the angle with Punk and Heyman was more of a standout than the actual match with him and Lesnar was. And it's, it's in a time frame too, where like a lot of, I don't know. I mean, I'll still go with the hell in a cell, but it's like, that's, I don't know if I pick either of those matches to win this. Okay. So which one are you going to pick though? Picking the hell in a cell, but like in the end, I don't think either of them would ever win this whole thing. No, they're fucking, they're not going to win it. But, yeah. I mean, you got to pick the lesser of the two evils. Yeah, so I'll go with the Hell in a Cell. All right, so Taker and Edge, when Edge went straight to Hell in the Hell in a Cell. Bill, would you have agreed with that? Uh, yeah, and again, I do I do have to say that I disagree with uh, their opinions on... Uh, actually, the match itself between Punk and Lesnar I thought was freaking fantastic. But, at the same time, the reason why it's not remembered is because that's when they started pretty much ruining Punk afterwards. Having a few with Cryback again. And having him feud with Curtis Axel, nothing against him as a talent, but the, the company was reluctant to put him over, clearly. And everything out from Fall to Punk's departure was just forgettable for him. So I can understand that. And um, so that's why I think the matches remember, because they did nothing with him afterwards. So um, yeah, I am going to go with Taker and Edge, because again, those are two, two of my guys as well. Um, again, I like the finish of that match more than anything that Taker does to Edge, everything that Edge had done to him for about a year. The concerto, Edge, just everything off the ladder, all that stuff that Edge did to him in the past year leading up to it was pretty much what Taker did to him to win the match. So uh, the finish of that, and the match itself was great, but uh, I'm going to go with that. Yeah, I think it was the more memorable of the two, and uh, that's the deciding factor on this one. Okay, there we go. So Taker and Edge moves on into the second round. Next matchup in the first round, the number five seed taking on the number 12 seed, the number five seed from SummerSlam 1995. It's the latter match for the Intercontinental Heavyweight title. The bad guy is Ramon versus the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. And, of course, their opponent, the number 12 seed from SummerSlam 2017, it is the four-way for the Universal Championship, Braun Strowman, Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, Samoa Joe. A lot of heavy hitters in that one, and that was just a lot of, you know, physicality in that. Of course, it was the second appearance of the ladder match between Sean and Razor. Jordan, we go to you for this one. What moves on to the second round? Uh, the ladder match. Yeah, that four-way just seemed like another interchangeable main event from that you, that that couple of years where like you could confuse any of them. So like the ladder match is way more memorable. Not as good, obviously, as the WrestleMania match, but definitely more memorable than that. Okay. Bill? Uh, yeah, I think I agree. The four-way match was really good. Uh, I remember it, but uh, again, uh, again, it's one of those matches where it happened. Did anybody really remember much about it afterwards? A casual fan? I don't think so, because like I said, it just that era. And again, I enjoyed more of what Brock has done in the last few years, more the COVID post COVID Brock more than I have in his run before that. I've enjoyed more of his stuff that he's been doing the last two, three years more than anything he's done in the last decade. Um, but he's done some good stuff here and there. I'll give him that. And Joe Joe's run was underrated. He had a decent run in WWE. But uh, Strowman, I get it, but they never, they were reluctant on him too for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, I gotta go with the ladder match. And the reason why that ladder match, it came close to WrestleMania 10, but the only reason why it didn't come even closer was because I guess the state athletic commissioner or whatever uh, put some restrictions on what they could do with the ladder. But Sean and Scott Hall, God bless them, they made it work. And uh, I'll admit though, Adam, as soon as he said SummerSlam 95, I'm like, really? And I'm like, oh yeah, the ladder. <laughs> And no, not, nothing from 1995 was good. I know. I was gonna say, I'm not saying Brett and Diesel. Don't worry. That was. Uh, I like their matches, but like, know, yeah. Dumpster fire. Don't just don't don't just don't. Yeah, uh, Diesel right, so, is good. All right. So you're saying Razor, HBK, um, George? Would you have agreed with that? They're already moving on, but would you have made that yeah. unanimous? Yeah, I would have agreed with that. I mean, again, I don't I don't even remember that Fatal Four Way. I have no idea about it or anything like that. And. And uh, it's probably because the after effect, right? Much mm-hmm. like the reason I don't remember the CM Punk stuff. Also because I, I don't really care for CM Punk, but I would have remembered, like, fuck, even as a non-CM Punk. No, why are you grinning from ear to ear like the Cheshire Cat? I'm not trying to pick a fight here. I'm not. A I'm, not. Fan, I'm allowed to have my fucking opinions. CM ahead. Punk is not in my top 10, never will be. And that's just my opinion. It's my opinion. I mean, Bill Chase wants to suck him off while jerking Bret Hart off. That's fine. It's totally cool. Hey, if it gets me a shot with AJ Lee, I'm all for it. Uh, God damn it. <laughs> no, you wouldn't get that. You wouldn't get that. Says so you. <laughs> <laughs> you get that. 
All right, so Razor and Brett, or sorry, Razor and Sean rather, moving on into the uh, the second round right there. Uh, the next matchup is the number seven seed taking on the number ten seed. It is from the year 2016. The phenomenal AJ Styles taking on John Cena versus the 2019 matchup from the number ten seed for the Universal Championship. Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar. Bill, we go to you for this one. What would you pick as the match to move on in the second round? Um, again, a lot of matches from this era, as we pretty much just alluded to in the last couple, have not been overly memorable. Um, I, remember, I, I actually I remember I do remember these two matches, but especially I remember Cena and AJ because again that is a dream match anywhere. Um, I like that the WWE had faith in AJ enough to be a main eventer after passing on him for a while. It was his run in Japan that finally I think really got him noticed. And um, it's it's hard because Seth and Brock actually had decent chemistry, I thought. But to me, I think that match is slightly overrated. Um, I think that they were it was fine for what it was. It was your typical Brock match usually. And I'm gonna go with uh, Cena and AJ because uh, again, it was they had a, amazing chemistry. It showed Cena really could work with anybody. It showed AJ could work with anybody. So I think that in a, in a, they, they complemented each other so well for two very different wrestlers. They worked and communicated to build a good story and have a great match. So I'm going to go with Cena and AJ. Okay. George. Sorry, who made this list again? <laughs> uh, this would have been Bleacher Report. Okay. Uh, I don't know, man. You should have gone somewhere else. Because a lot of these matches are, again, not rememberable. Well, it can't I, just be always the classics that we remember. No, it, it, it can't be the classics. All right, listen. Just slow your fucking roll there, Oshawa's Finest. Just give me a fucking second to talk. Between you and fucking Chase cut me off. It's been ridiculous tonight. Regardless of the fact, like I was saying before, before we got on the AJ tandem and it all got weird and uncomfortable for about three seconds. <laughs> uh, the fact is, is that sometimes for me, it's not about the match that's memorable. It's the after. And the after being that where a storyline could go. Because like WrestleMania, a lot of storylines get wrapped up at SummerSlam. So if the SummerSlam match, or even some storylines start at SummerSlam. So if the match itself is forgettable, then why would I care to carry on what happens after? It's not going to draw me in. If it didn't draw me in the show enough to at least even remember that they faced each other, it's not going to draw me to tune into Monday Night Raw or tune into SmackDown or so forth to keep whatever situations are going. But the last post-COVID, there's been a resurgence, but even pre-COVID, it was a struggle. From like 2010 to like 2017, 18, it was a rough patch. It was. It was a rough patch of pro wrestling. Even for the the diehard fans like us, it was like, uh, eh, I'd rather do my taxes than watch Monday Night Raw right now. And that's saying something. But um, yeah, I would have to go with AJ and uh, with AJ and John Cena just because I was an AJ Mark for a while. And like Bill said, that's a dream match to any fan, even if you're not a even if you're a, a hardcore Impact fan, you're a hardcore uh, WWE fan, you're a hardcore New Japan fan, this is the best of both worlds because you're seeing arguably one of the greatest talents of the modern era going up against the modern-day Hulk Hogan. You don't get that much. So I'd have to say that one because I actually do remember that one. Okay. So Cena and Styles does move on. Jordan, would you have agreed with that? Yeah, I would have agreed. There, there, there was a time for like six or seven years where like they all just blurred together. And like you could be you'd be forgiven if you thought a certain match happened in like 2018, but it happened like four years prior. Like a lot of it was the same. A lot of it was just retreads like a lot. Yeah, a lot of it blurred together. And that Brock match, didn't that go on first? Yes. Yeah, like that went on first. And I'm pretty sure it went like five minutes. So like how how did it get on this fucking list? Shit. Point, I mean, actually, that's number seven, 2019. That was SummerSlam 19, yes. Fuck me, I was there in the audience on the floor, and I don't even remember. Oh, it's just in Toronto, that's right, yeah. <laughs> See, I was actually oh. there, but he said didn't it go on first, and all of a sudden I, I even forgot it was in Toronto, yeah. yeah fuck yeah. me, yeah, that's, fuck that, yeah, absolutely. Seen it, AJ was the right call, 150%. That match is fucking trash. <laughs> fucking trash. And I was in the <laughs> audience, and I was like, I paid 1500 bucks for three seats for that? I got to see Seth Rollins beat the shit out of Brock Lesnar for two minutes. And yeah. a match total of five minutes, but three minutes was the fucking entrance. Fuck that. No way. Uh-uh. Now I'm just yeah. now you make you more pissed off that I spent fifteen hundred dollars. <laughs> Fuck you, Ace. Fuck you. Like that well, was how supposed to know you were at the show. I didn't even remember I was at the show because that match was fucking so bad. Oh fuck. 
Like that was clearly just an example of Brock just wanted to get the fuck out of there, so he went on first and did the least amount of work possible. Yeah. Well, he heard right. there was uh he heard that the um the old spaghetti factory had a, a discount going on that day, so love that place. Whatever, I don't care. Uh, George, uh, we're going to be coming up to you for this next one. Uh, it is the number two seed taking on the number fifteen seed here in the first round. The number two seed is from SummerSlam two thousand. Edge, Christian, Dudley's, and the Hardys, TLC1, taking on the number 15 seed from SummerSlam 2017. No, excuse me, 2011, the WWE World's Heavyweight Championship, No Holds Barred, Randy Orton versus Christian. So two matches actually with Christian back-to-back, and uh, kind of interesting at least how the brackets worked out in that sense, but uh, who do you got for this one? I, uh... I didn't like the way Christian was built in 2011. I thought they could have done way more with him than they did. So that match for me is a sore spot. Okay. Uh, just for the simple fact that I didn't like the run. So for me, I but I mean, I can't not pass up TLC1. I mean, that shit was fucking iconic. Uh, it, it literally revolutionized what could be done in a singular match. And the fact when an, an undercard, when, when a match that was, I think, second or third on the card goes on to outdo the rest of the card that's when you re- you had to realize that these three teams were main event players, whether they were going to be singles or whether they were going to be tag teams. And so TLC for me uh, cemented the Hardys, the Dudleys and Edge and Christian as future Hall of Famers. And I mean, the fact is four or three of them anyways are. So you got to get with you got to get with that to recognize that. I mean, fuck, there's 50 percent of that match is now in the Hall of Fame. So I got to go with that match hands down. Plus that match was fucking just the story that was told. Fuck. That's a match. I do watch on repeat when SummerSlam season starts, it starts usually a couple days out and that's the first match that I put on. So yeah, that one for me is uh, timeless. So yeah, I'm going to pick the uh, TLC one for sure. All right. So George says TLC one Jordan. Yeah. TLC one. Um, The Christian thing. Like, I don't know what it was. Like clearly the company just didn't trust him at that time. Cause, like, they gave him a couple runs with the world title, but, like, they both lasted for, like, a cup of coffee. One, I think, lasted two days. Yes. Like, the, yeah. first, the first one he won, he, he lost it by the time they taped SmackDown on Tuesday. To so, like, yep. they, just, they didn't trust him or they didn't see anything in him as a main event guy, which is a shame because he went on to prove he could be a main event guy. Um, Yeah, TLC1 is iconic. Like, it, it, it's... It's better than the, the triangle ladder match from WrestleMania. There was more creativity. There was more unique uniqueness to it. I mean, Adam, we were actually talking about this a couple of days ago. It's like the, the, the finish of the, the triangle ladder match was better, but the overall match of TLC one was far superior than that. So you're going TLC one then. Okay, Phil, would you have agreed with that as well? I mean, it's already moving on, but... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Again, I agree with what's been said about Christian's run, uh, main event run in this era. They botched it terribly. I think he had a lot of sympathy on him after Edge retired. I think that uh, even and even if they had turned him heel, it still would have worked. Like, even if they still went to turn him heel, it still would have worked, because Christian's, I think, great on either side of the fence, but more so as a heel. He's better as a heel, for sure, but... Uh, but that TLC match, again, revolutionary. It's good. Like, they kept topping everything they ever did. They kept, um, again, the, the, the ladder match between just Edge, Christian, and the Hardys at No Mercy. Oh, can we top that? Well, let's throw the Dudleys in there at WrestleMania. Oh, can we top that? Oh, well, because they brought tables and chairs into that ladder match. So that's where the idea for TLC pretty much came for. And then they taught themselves again at WrestleMania X7 the next year. It's insane what these guys could do. They showed, again, I agree, they, they are main event caliber talents. And I know Devon didn't really have a big singles run, but most of them did have, like, you know, kind of main event level runs, be it in TNA or WWE or both. Hey, hey, so, hey you shut your mouth. Reverend Devon and his theme song is fantastic. No, okay, I was the, theme song, say, no the theme song was great. I, I will say that. I was going to say the theme song, but that's another run that got botched. There could have been way more done with Reverend Devon than they allowed to do. Like he No, you're right. Yeah. They could have turned it, him like dark as fuck, like made him like a cult leader and shit, but they fucking missed the bolt on it terribly. Terribly. But, and see, the thing that bothers me about the Christian thing, too, is that I know it's TNA is seen as lesser than WWE, granted, and rightfully so, I would say. But um, in terms of talent and what people don't realize with Christian, when he jumped to TNA, it increased the company's Canadian audience big time. So he showed that he could bring in people, you know, to watch products and that. He had a big following in Canada, not just in Toronto. 
So, again, you got to utilize guys like that. I think maybe Vince still presents Bret Hart for hitting it so big in Canada. But, like, <laughs> still, another TLC match. Again, revolutionary. What more can you really say? Well, be that as it may, TLC 1 does move on into the second round. The next matchup, in my personal opinion, is the toughest of the first round. And I will explain why in just a second. Jordan, it is going to be going to you for this one first. The number four seed taking on the number 13 seed. The number four seed is from SummerSlam 1994. WWF Championship, the Steel Cage, brother versus brother, Bret Hart versus Owen Hart. As my phone is now ringing, someone's at the front door. Fuck is wrong with you ignorant fuck. Well, they're working on my t- they're working on my bell upstairs. Excuse me. So again, SummerSlam 1994, Steel Cage for the WWE Championship, Bret Hart versus Owen Hart, taking on the number 13 seed. SummerSlam 1991, the Intercontinental Championship, Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect. Two of the most legendary Bret the Hitman Hart singles matches of all time against each other in the first round. What is wrong with you? You couldn't put these up against fucking CM Punk? Like, really, dude? (laughs) This is the best matchup so far in the first round, in my opinion. Let's do it. I said this is the toughest, and it's been a clean sweep with you guys so far, so I'm intrigued to see if it's going to happen again. Jordan, we start with you. Which match deserves the second round? The cage match with Brett and Owen or the IC title with Perfect and Hart? Yeah, like we get all these shitty 2017 matches and now. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking, you could have put this up against Seth Rollins and fucking Brock Lesnar at 19. Nobody remembers that one. I'm just waiting for a matchup like this, though. Yeah, but this is like a finals matchup, not a first round matchup. Yeah, still. Oh, the cage match. I mean, they're both classics in their own regards. But if I had to choose, if I'm going to have to choose one, I'll probably go with the cage. Right, no, in the cage 94. Why? Just everything with the storyline of brother versus brother and how well it was done and how the great chemistry that the two of them had. I mean, like everybody that that superplex off the top of that cage is still played to this day in like highlight packages. Like when everybody does everything under the sun in this day and age, something as simple as that is still shown to this day and age. Like true match left that match left a mark in people's memories. And just how great the two of them were in their chemistry. Yeah, I'll go with the cage. That's hard, but the cage, I'll go with the cage. (coughs) Okay, so Jordan says the steel cage match. Bill, we go to you. Cage match, intercontinental title. I know you're a Brett guy. I know this, so this should be an interesting uh, choice for you. What's it going to be? I mean, the iconic iconic superplex Jordan said off the top. I mean, but you can't also forget the iconic sharpshooter on perfect with him pretty much breaking him in half to win that title. And then going to the stands at Raston square garden. So what, what's your pick here? Oh, and this is hard. Cause I, again, I remember both these matches vividly from my childhood. Um, yeah. Uh, again, the steel cage match, the whole story was just fantastic. Of Brett Owen, I uh, kind of, uh, increased business a little bit for the company too, in a time where business was not good at all. Um, also to that, uh, again, they, couldn't bleed because again Vince was against blood at the time, but they utilized the story and enough of the cage and the constant escape attempts were so thrilling and they built up more and more like they're getting closer every escape attempt, as well as hitting their signature stuff on each other and just you know seeing who could down one long enough to get out and again some of the escape attempts were again it was an edge of your seat match and it was the perfect finally just the payoff of that initial stage of the feud and all that because I know they still went on and did a few things after but. That was the big payoff to the whole the whole thing. Um, whereas Brett and Perfect again that that propelled Brett again the build up to Brett from WrestleMania seven after him and Anvil split to uh, SummerSlam they built Brett up and they made an effort to do it on TV. He's he went through the entire mid card to get to Perfect. And to me that's again it's a simple story. It may not be as exciting as the one with him and Owen, but Perfect rarely lost on television. And he had been Intercontinental Champion since, I think, uh, November of 1990, going into SummerSlam after beating Kerry Von Erich. Yeah, it's perfect. I think suffered less than five losses on TV at that point. He'd been in the company uh, about three years. So he was well-protected. And, um, again, because, again, they're both great for different reasons, and this is hard for me, as you probably put a guessed. 
But, um, again, a celebration in the stands with Stu and Helen and now, and uh, Bruce, of course, trying to get on camera, as he always does. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with 91 uh, because, again, like I said, what it did for Bret Hart and the fact that it showed what a pro that Kurt Hennig was putting over his friend very strongly on his way out. He had the back injury. I know he stuck around to manage Ric Flair, was out of wrestling for about a year, but still, uh, he was he was in so much, and that's another factor, Hennig was in so much pain. He was in so much pain going into that match. He was on tons of painkillers, and he allowed Brett to lock in that sharpshooter real good. And you notice he gave up really quick when he, when he applied it. Brett even barely had it fully applied. You could see, though, but he still did it for him. And um, I think that's why I have to go with 91. All right. First split decision going into the first round here. George, you get the deciding vote. Brett and Owen, perfect, and Brett. What's it going to be? What moves on? Have I told you how much I hate you? <laughs> Would you rather be like then decide and like just make it easier for you, or I'd like rather shove nine inch nails into each one of your eyelids than have to make this decision? Hi, kids. <laughs> uh, no, I uh, listen. Uh, the Hart family is dynasty in Canada. It's fucking royalty. It's our, you know, royal family, if you will. So uh, I mean, uh, I, I've, I, I, Bret Hart has a special place in my heart. Uh, but Owen Hart is my guy, as you can clearly see right behind me. So Brett versus Owen, uh, in my childhood, that was the one that like played back-to-back. I had that tape. I got that tape for Christmas. Coliseum video. I think I still have the fucking thing somewhere around. Now it's on, <laughs> now it's on stream. It's not going to worry about it, but it's definitely somewhere. It's taped up. It's fucking destroyed. Like, I saved that thing. There's, like, electrical tape on that motherfucker for days. Uh, but you know what? It's uh, It's not the one that wins this one. And I know that's a shocker to a lot of people, but the story of Kurt Henning's back pain and all the shit Brett did to him in that match and the build and the psychology that was told, it's a match that if I ran a wrestling school, there's three matches that I would put on for the class first day. It would be WrestleMania 10, which in my opinion, as much as SummerSlam was the more gruesome of the payoff, WrestleMania 10 was just so psychological between Brett and Owen that that to me is the superior Brett and Owen match. Even though, don't get me wrong, the Steel Cage is fucking right up there as my top five all time. Those two matches are in my top five all time. But Kurt Henning, the back pain, the painkillers, we all know the history now. We know the behind-the-scenes stuff. The curtain was pulled. And when you hear that, it adds so much more to the legend of what that match was. And Kurt Henning was a psychological fucking genius, probably never to be seen in this sport again. And then you match him with the cycle, you match him with the prowess of a young, hungry Bret Hart. It just has the makings of, fuck, they can make a Disney movie out of it, you know? Like, the one that got away, and it would be fucking phenomenal. And, uh, you know, I mean, you know, Adam, if you lost a little bit of weight, you could probably play Jesse the Body Ventura. So that would be great for that one. That would be awesome. I'll but, tell you, uh, McMahon. <laughs> let me tell you something, Gorilla. Uh, <laughs> no, um, but, yeah, no, for me, uh, when it comes to SummerSlam, when I think SummerSlam, and, you know, like, I think Bill said it earlier, it can't always be the greats, and that's right, but... That one is arguably one of the matches that is synonymous with SummerSlam. That's one of the matches I would argue made SummerSlam what it was. So I'm going to give it to Brett and Kurt. 91. All right. Well, there you go. It uh, could be controversial. could be a little shocking in some people's eyes, but there you go. Perfect. Bret Hart, SummerSlam 91 moves on into the second round. Second last matchup here, the first round, number six seed taking on the number 11 of seed, John Cena. Versus Daniel Bryan for the WWE World Championship from SummerSlam 2013. Of course, this would be Bryan's first world championship before the authority angle that happened. Taking on the number 11 seed, SummerSlam 2001 WWE Championship, Kurt Angle versus the Alliance's Stone Cold Steve Austin. Bill, we go to you in this one. What is your pick and why? Uh, again, I remember both those matches quite well. And again, in, in an era, I got to give Cena and Brian credit because in an era where a lot of the stuff is forgettable, like uh, Jordan has said and we've all alluded to, um, I, again, it was actually a match that had a memorable story after. It pretty much led all the way to WrestleMania to Brian getting his big moment. Um, and it was a real, I remember that match very well, actually. It was a really good match. Uh, Cena was injured at the time, he had a bad elbow injury, if you recall. And uh, so he yes, got it through that match himself. I to death on fucking Total Divas, and I had to suffer through that shit with my wife. So, yeah, I remember. I fucking remember. Thankfully, I never had to watch Total Divas because none of nobody I dated liked wrestling. So, uh, <laughs> but maybe that's the problem. But uh, at the same time, though, um, 
Uh, yeah, and that 2001 match with Angle and Austin, I don't think gets enough love either. Um, again, because they've had many great classes. I think people forget it because the Invasion is so crapped on, and in some ways rightfully so. But I think the Invasion, in terms of match quality, there was a lot of good stuff from that stretch from WrestleMania X7 to the end of the Angle in November. Um, and even in 2002 when it all ended, when Triple H came back. Uh, but yeah, um, again, the Austin Angle story was good. Um, I, th- I felt that it really led into Unforgiven really well when Angle finally won. But um, this is actually a harder one than I thought it was going to be. As soon as you said the years, I'm thinking, I don't know. And then I'm like, Ugh. so this is actually, I think, the underdog uh, underdog bracket. Um, but you know what? Uh, as great as Angle and Austin was, I'm going to go with Cena and Bryan because, again, I think everything that followed after and the match itself was great. Uh, made Daniel Bryan into a household name, and it started it all. And uh, But obviously, Angle and Austin, it, yeah, it was a great match. This is another harder one for me personally. It might not be harder for the other two, but this one was hard for me. Okay. Uh, George, it's already one nothing for Cena versus Bryan. What about you? Uh, I just wanted to, before I get into my reasons why I picked, I'm kind of shocked that uh, Triple H versus Triple H, or Triple H versus HBK, at 2005, the street fight, that's not on the list. 02, yeah, yeah. That was well, they are, yeah. There are still two more matches, so it could potentially be on there. Well, it better fucking be, or else I'm going to just walk off. Because uh, I've had enough of you. I've already ha- I've had very much enough of you. Um, uh, This one, uh, surprisingly enough for you, Mr. fucking Chase, it is hard for me. It is hard for me. Because you're right, the uh, the uh, invasion angle was crapped on. Mainly because it was done so poorly. I mean, let's just be honest. It was done so poorly. And they were had lacking they, stars, yeah. Yeah, and had they done it correctly, and had they maybe even, you know, been able to woo in a Sting or woo in, like, some of those bigger names, there might have been an ultimate payoff. Like, Undertaker, Sting, and Stone, like, something like that working each other. They all ended up in the company anyway, too. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, uh, surprisingly enough, uh, I, I agree with you that Angle and Stone Cold doesn't get no love. Now, mind you, when you think of Angle feuds, you think of Sexy Kurt. Forever and ever and ever, you think of Sexy Kurt. So, um, I don't know why you're, again, Cheshire Catface over there, Hayes. Sexy Kurt is a timeless classic. It's on my Christmas album, and that's how fucking timeless it is. It's not even a fucking Christmas song, okay? But um, Angle and Stone Cold, uh, go back and watch that match, man. It's really fucking solid. And it was when Stone Cold's best years were behind him. And I believe he shortly had his last little temper tantrum before he walked off from the company about four or five months later. I believe he left just after WrestleMania the following year. Yes, when he yes. walked off from everything. So, um, honestly, a truly Angle and Stone Cold, they always had great chemistry. They always had great ring IQs together. And I felt like Stone Cold's brawling style going up against Angle, who was at his peak, even though he was dealing with the neck injuries and stuff, he was still at his peak. So I got to give Angle and Stone Cold a leg up on this one. I really have to. All right. One fall apiece there for Brian and Cena, Angle, and Austin. Jordan, we go to you for the deciding vote here. What is your pick? See, the problem with Brian versus Cena was it's a lot like the the Punk and Cena match. Like, the match may have been great, but it's like what happened afterwards kind of overshadowed all of it. Because that was the one where Triple H showed up at the end and, like, dropped him with the pedigree. And I think, who, who cashed in the briefcase? Orton. Um, Orton. And then Orton just cashed in the briefcase, and then it was gone in a second. So, basically, it was, like, everything you just watched meant nothing. And, like, that pisses you off when that happens. Angle and Austin did have good chemistry. Of the two matches, how many matches did they have that year? Just two? I think it was just yeah, two. They had, more, they, had a co- they had a couple on pay-per-view. They had one on Raw, and they had a triple threat where RVD was involved in a pay-per-view. Yeah, and no mercy. Yeah, and the yeah. one with RVD was fucking crazy because he got to do crazy shit while they just fucked him up every time he missed. But it yep. was still a great fucking match. That was a good match. That was a good match. That was the one where Austin got the gnarly scar on the back of his head, too. I believe um, so. Vince cracked him in the back of the head with the chair. Um, well, yeah, Cody yeah. wrote Sean Spears style. Yes, I remember that. You're right. You're right. Um, yeah, I'll go with Angle and Austin. I love that SummerSlam match. It's great. It's got an intensity to it that a lot of times, a lot of things this like today, it doesn't have. Like they started off in the aisle way. Like you actually thought they wanted to fucking kill each other. And like it always makes me laugh when Austin like throws the WWF title like ten yards down the way, like not knowing where it's gonna land because he's about to get in a fight. But nothing he did there never landed in the crowd. He threw microphones, constantly. nothing landed in the crowd. He was good at that. <laughs> I'm like Angle had Angle had Angle was bleeding like a pig, like a yes. heart, and then 
anytime I get to see Nick Patrick get the shit beat out of him, always, always makes fun. me smile. So like that match, hands down, one of my favorites for SummerSlam. So I'm going with that. All right, Angle and Austin moves into the second round. Our final matchup of the first round, number eight seed, taking on number nine. I'm letting you know now in advance, uh, George, uh, it did not make the cut. This fucking um, list is shit. No, nah, I agree. I, I actually I agree with I agree with George for once. I was <laughs> surprised to to the matches that they have selected for this list. The number eight seed from SummerSlam 2000, Chris Jericho versus Chris Benoit, two out of three falls. Okay. Okay. Versus the number nine seed match from SummerSlam 1998, Triple H versus The Rock for the Intercontinental Championship in the latter match. So, of course, that means we're going to be going to George for this one. Uh, what is your pick and why? I don't know. I don't know why you're asking me. I'm not playing anymore. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, it's really like, fuck, really? Rocket Triple, out of all the Triple H matches hey, that could I have was been surprised. Run? I was surprised, too. I, there was oh. a lot of great matches that have not made the list. And quite frankly, I knew there was going to be a little controversy when it came to that. But at the same time, too, you know, these are still two great matches in their own right here. Um, so be that as it may, we still have to pick one of them. So what's it well, going to be? Then, uh, buckle up because my pick will probably shock some people. Maybe not the people on this panel, um, but it'll shock some people listening. Uh, Chris Benoit, two words that we're not supposed to talk. We're not supposed to say he doesn't exist anymore in our world. Other than if you're a dark side of the ring, Mark, but fucking honestly, and truly Benoit and Jericho, two of the best at that time the best even though we we know what happened literally a year and a bit later uh i would still say that that match is one of my personal favorites i do watch it on a regular basis say what you want to say about benoit outside of the ring but you can't talk about the benoit inside of the ring because that guy was on a different fucking level he gave literally gave his life for this business because this business fucked his head so much that it ended his life essentially when he couldn't take all the shit that was going on so Regardless of the fact, uh, that match was phenomenal. I mean, you put two great technicians like a Jericho and like a Chris Benoit in a two out of three falls, where literally you know they're both going to get one, but you just got to wonder who's going to get that third one. That's what makes this match timeless and special. So I'm not even – the other one, this this one was the easy slam dunk for me. The other one really doesn't even stand in contention. I mean, I'm a Triple H mark, and I will say that this is not one of the matches that I remember Triple H for. Okay. So that being said, Benoit and Jericho for the win. Okay, Jordan. Yeah, that one's going through. Rock and Rock and Triple H, well, that match may have been like the precursor to like the classic rivalry that they would have had a couple years later. I would argue that didn't even really need to be a ladder match. Like they didn't they didn't really work it like a ladder match like you would normally see. And like yeah, it's it's not one of their best. It's not one of the ones I'll remember either of them for. So, yeah, put the two out of three falls through. All right, so they move on to the uh, the second round. Bill, would you have agreed with that? Actually, no, I wouldn't have. Um, I Again, Benoit and Jericho had a great series of matches in 2000, which was kind of like, you know, the secondary fuse for Jericho, and he's having, like, the, the more TV spotlight of fuse with, like, uh, Triple H and Kane. Um, the Kane view was terrible, by the way. But anyway, it led to the payoff at Rumble 01, which I think is the best one of all. That ladder match was superb. Um, also, I gotta say, uh, the reason why I would have gone with Rock and Triple H is because it made them both to the next level. It actually helped them both exceed to the next level. Now, I, I may not have needed the ladder, but they had a two out of three falls match the month before at the pay-per-view fully loaded. And then SummerSlam was the big payoff to their feud, which had been going on all spring into the summer. So, uh, cause they've mostly been as tags, you know, nation versus DX type deal. And the story of the match was really good with Triple H's knee being a factor because he actually did have legit knee problems at the time. And they injured his knee on heat before the pay-per-view started. The Nation attacked him, and they went for his knee. The Rock hit him with the Intercontinental belt right in the knee. And it kind of built up to the match where you think Triple H is not going to make because Rock kept going after the knee with the ladder even. So um, I the only thing I didn't like about it was the constant involvement of China and Mark Henry, which is another story in itself. But... Um, I think it put them both to that next level. I think that made people in the back, especially Vince, realize these guys are my future main eventers. And lo and behold, it didn't. the crowd was hot. That was the hottest they were all night. Even, I think, Taker and Austin couldn't follow that, even if that match didn't go wrong. Hmm. 
All right, well, there you go. Jericho Benoit moves on to the final round. We're in the second round now. This is where we kind of do our, like, uh, you know, quick draw McGraw here, and we just kind of, you know, see how fast we can go through the second round here before we get to the semifinals. Uh, so we are going to be starting off with, uh, duh, 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 duh. Oh, God, who the hell was it supposed to be? That would be Jordan. Okay, perfect. Jordan, we're starting off with you. Uh, number one seed, Bret Hart versus and Bulldog, SummerSlam 92 for the IC title. Versus Taker and Edge from SummerSlam 2008 Hell in a Cell. Uh, SummerSlam 92. Okay. Bill? Uh, I agree. SummerSlam 92, I think, has this one for sure. Okay. So they automatically move on. George, would you agree with that? Uh, that's a hell yeah there, uh, fucker. All right. Perfect. Uh, Bill, we go to you for this next one. It's the number five seed taking on the number seven seed. Razor and Sean, ladder match, Survivor Series, or Summer, SummerSlam, rather, 1995 for the IC title, or Cena versus Styles from 2016. Ooh, actually, okay, that's a little hard. Um, I actually, you know what? I'm going to go, it might cause some controversy, I'm going to go with Cena versus Styles. Cena and Styles, okay. George? It's not going to cause any controversy at all, because if you had said the other one, I would have still said Cena and Styles, so I agree with you. Wow. Once in, once in our lives, we actually agree. I still think everyone in the city you live in should be euthanized. <laughs> All right. Cena and Styles moves on then to the second round. Jordan, would you have agreed with that or no? Yes, I would. Wow. Okay. Uh, George, then we go to you. Uh, number two seed versus the number 13 seed. TLC one for the tag titles at SummerSlam 2000 versus Brett and Perfect from SummerSlam 91 for the Intercontinental title. <laughs> Why are you such a fucking... Your mom should have swallowed, bro. Straight up. Um, you said that before on the Fight Network. For New Frontier, check them out. I've said it a few times. It's my go-to. Um, fuck, man. Two matches you said on rotation. So, if you had both of them I on... I know what I... Don't tell me what I... I know what I, I fucking know. said. I'm just saying that if you had the choice right now, both matches are in front of you, which one are you putting on? <laughs> man oh this this one sucks uh it sucks because it's hard these are both fucking legendary matches oh just sure. because at the time though uh i guess i hungered for more and that like i said that tlc match was just it gave me a lot of what i wanted to see in terms of just the high flying ability and all the crazy shit that they did but then of course there are other ones that you can argue are better because we're not doing like a ladder match fucking oh fuck okay i'm going i'm gonna follow my heart i'm following my heart here Brett and Perfect. Brett and Perfect. Okay. Jordan. Things is interesting. I'm go TLC. Ooh. Okay. Jo uh, yeah, I got put in some shit, so fuck you, Chase. You got like, the signing vote on this one. <laughs> perfect and Bret Hart, SummerSlam 91, TLC 1 from the year 2000. What Man, George Horst is right. This is freaking difficult, but uh, you know what? I've been thinking about it. I've been listening to you know everything that's been said. Um, prepare to be shocked. I'm going with TLC one. TLC one. Okay, so Brett and Hart and Mr. Perfect have been eliminated in the second round. Uh, our last matchup in the second round here, though, is the number six seed going on against the number da, 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 number eight seed. So Austin and Angle from SummerSlam 2000 versus Jericho and Ben. Sorry, 2001 versus Jericho and Benoit from SummerSlam 2000. Two out of three falls. Jordan, we go to you. Austin and Angle. Austin and Angle. Bill. Yeah, um, again, I like both matches a lot, uh, but I'm going to go with uh, Austin and Angle. Okay, Austin and Angle moves on. George, would you have agreed with that or nah? Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, I agree with I agree with Austin and Angle. I think we all said that that match was just different. It was different for – and when there was a big lull, especially with that whole evasion angle, this was one of the few bright spots of that angle. So, yeah. I'm good with that. Cool. All right. We're here in the semifinals. We can talk a little bit longer, but we can save more of our talk for the finals itself. Bill. Okay, well, okay, well whatever. Bill, uh, we go to you for this one. Bret Hart and Bulldog, SummerSlam 92 versus Cena and Styles from 2016. Uh, yeah, it's still no contest. Bret and Bulldog. Okay. Um, George, to you. To quote Jordan Robert Lloyd, Let's make this interesting. Styles and Cena. 
Really? Why do you say that? Just out of curiosity, besides to make it interesting. No, I just, I, I, I mean, it's a no, it is a no contest. Uh, it's Brett and Bulldog, but I, I just want to make it interesting. Watch I mean, the scene and stuff. No, if, like listen, if he, hey, if he does, that's, that's totally up to him. But I just want to make it interesting. I want to give one on each side. I don't want to give a clean sweep. I like, as we get deeper into these rounds, I like everybody to make their decisions, right? And I'm not yep. going to, I'm not partial anyways, because both of these matches are great. I mean, one definitely does outweigh the other in terms of the history books and all that shit. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is just also a chance to fuck up everyone else's night because my night was ruined when that street fight wasn't on there. So Bleacher Report, you suck. And you probably all live in Oshawa. So fuck all of you. Anyways, Jordan, you're up, buddy. Make a decision, my friend. Oh, yeah, this one's a no-brainer. Brett and Bulldog. Fair enough. Yeah, well, they're both, yeah, they're both great. But Brett and Bulldog has stood the test of time for so many years, even to this day. Okay, so there we go. So Brett and Bulldog uh, moves on into the final round. Who will join them? Uh, George, we go to you for this one for the first. Uh, TLC one for the tag team titles or Austin versus Angle? Street fight, Triple H, HBK. <laughs> no, um, fuck, I mean, it's got to be TLC one. Again, this, that one was impartial. That's, that's, a, that's a, another match that stood the test of time in terms of SummerSlam. And SummerSlam doesn't have as many years as WrestleMania does in terms of like historic, historic runs. I mean, right. fuck. Right. So I, I got to go with, yeah, I got to go with TLC one. Fair enough. Jordan. Yep. That's how I thought it was going to end up. TLC one. Okay. Bill, would you have agreed? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Gentlemen, we're here. We're at the finals. We're at the number one seed taking on the number two seed. So even them in the lineup, they thought the same thing, that these ones were neck and neck with 1A and 1B almost in a sense. But there can only be one Highlander, and there can only be one winner of this tournament when it comes to this. Um, Jordan, we go to you. We started off with you. Bret Hart, British Bulldog, IC title 92. Main event versus TLC1 at WrestleMania, or sorry, at SummerSlam 2000 for the Tag Team Championships, Edge Christian, Dudley's Hardys. You know, I'm happy if you were going to use a Highlander reference. You at least didn't say there can only be one Highlander and then one Highlander 2, because Highlander 2 fucking sucks. Um, fuck. Talk it out with me. Both classics for different reasons. Again, one is, as George has said, one's a blueprint that if you were going to show wrestling students, definitely... That should be in like one of the five matches you should show them. Yep. TLC like set the stage for how the business was going to change from then on forward. Maybe in some ways for the better, in some ways for the worse. That could be debatable. Um, I'll go with my gut and I'll go with Brett and Bulldog. Brett and Bulldog. Okay. Chase. Whew, okay. Uh, good. Jordan hit a lot of a lot of great points. Um, again, it's true. They both did. The, both those matches were not only memorable in the lore of SummerSlam history, but for different reasons and both for good reasons. And you know, again, the TLC match both good and bad. But at the same time, that's down to booking. You know what I mean? That's you know really that's how it is. I still see the Brett Bulldog match. You know, being the um, being the thing that, again, it, it made people believe, or made Vince at least believe, that Brett could be the champion and carry the company through this rough patch. And he did, along with, like, Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker and that, for, like, the next, like, five years or so. And I will say, too, it also made people realize that people of Brett's size can be main event talents. And as well, I think that's another thing that people realize. That was Brett's first uh, main event, I believe. I believe it was Bulldogs, too. So, uh, again, the TLC match, though, again, it's so revolutionary. But the thing is, though, even as careless as the Hardys especially could be, but they all were at that point, but either way, more so the Hardys, I think, out of the three teams. I don't want to say careless in a negative way, just, you know, I guess balls to the wall, throwing sheets to the wind, you know, throwing caution to the wind or whatever. Um, They were the biggest, but at the same time, they're still going. (sighs) Wow, this is this harder than I thought. But honestly, when I think SummerSlam, the first match that pops in my head without even thinking about it is Bret and Bulldog. Okay, so you're saying Bret Hart, Bulldog for the win. 
Yes. Okay. George, what are your thoughts? Would you have agreed? Does it matter? The bracket's over? You, you, your opinion matters to me. We all gave our input when we were and defeated. We went around the cycle a whole bunch of times when it came to everything. So. No, I mean, uh, uh, Jordan said everything well, and then Bill tried to add his nonsense onto it, but it didn't make any sense. Fuck Bill Chase. I hate Bill Chase. Um, no, I'm joking. I actually, I actually respect you in a weird way. Uh, Jordan, I, Jordan, I really like. I respect you. And then there's that other fucker that nobody can give two fucks about. But I, <laughs> he's, his son is awesome. Yeah, he is. So that's... That's the bright spot. His son is awesome, and his wife is pretty cool. Uh, by the way, I don't know. I, you might gonna have to edit out the background noise, dude, because I heard her chain like shuffling around a lot. So like, wow, I mean, you're such a chain. brick. Yeah, the ankle chain. Give your yeah. thoughts on the finals here. Dude. <laughs> no, this was the 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 right decision was made. I think we all kind of knew that this was gonna be the one that was gonna top the mountain. Again, Brett and Bulldog synonymous with SummerSlam. It's just one of those matches, and I mean, of course, it was at Wembley. It had all the makings of a classic. Like, there's nothing that you can do to top that match. That match had everything. And even though, yeah, I mean, it, it took the, it, I will say this, Brett's book did take the wind out of the sails of the lore of that match for me, knowing that what was done behind the scenes and the benders and all that shit. It did take the lore out for me for a bit, but it's still timeless. And also, fuck, you got to give him credit because they fucking Brett carry Brett. We already knew Brett was carrying him, but after hearing everything, reading everything in the book, you're like, yeah, Brett fucking carried him that day. So, yeah, 150%. Bretton Bulldog was always the right call. It was always going to be the one that was going to make it. Even if the street fight had made it, the street fight, let's be honest, might have made it to the second round. But just like CM Punk, it would have been left on the cutting room floor, and I would have been okay with that. Wow, Jesus. All right, well, there you go. Uh, unanimous decision, Bret Hart, Bulldog, SummerSlam 92, the infamous Intercontinental Championship matchup. One of the greatest... We could pretty much say one of the greatest Intercontinental Championship matches of all time. Definitely. Uh, for sure. I would just say one of the, fuck the Intercontinental title. I would just say it's the, one of the greatest matches of all time. There you go. And also, too, one of my favorite out-of-nowhere finishes of all time, which is that sunset flip counter into the bend over. Oh, I love that. Boom. Beautiful. Because they both escaped. Brett kicked out of the power slam. Bulldog escaped the sharpshooter. Yep. So, absolutely loved it. It was great wrestling personified right there. And we hope you guys had a great time here at Schwal Wars like you always do. Of course, check out everything in the archives, anchor.fm slash Wars podcast. We've done other tournament-style matches in the past, including one that we did, which is the greatest WrestleMania match of all time. Uh, I'm sure we'll probably do a couple more of these before the year is out. Um, and, of course, you know, just check out everything for us. I will tell you about what is coming up in the next week. After we get these men's socials out of the way, Jordan, you usually have nothing. Is there anything you actually want to add? Nope. And thanks, though. Bill, we go to you. Hey, that's uh, Twitter and Instagram and threads. Uh, Bill Chase 33. Uh, also on um, on Facebook, just Bill Chase again. Profile picture is me just holding a, sh- a champagne glass at my cousin's wedding. If you want to chat wrestling, I'm uh, more than down to do that. I like all kinds of wrestling, old and new. So, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about it. And uh, just uh, those are all my social medias, and that's all I really need to plug right now. There you go. George. Uh, straight Talk Wrestling, everywhere across the board. Even on, is it still called Twitter? Because this morning there was a giant X in my phone. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's it like. Still, it is. It's still called Twitter. But no, I know, but it was just super weird because I'm sitting there going, did somebody put a porn app on my phone? <laughs> <laughs> like, it was just weird. Yeah. It was just weird. Like, yeah. super, I was like, fuck this Zach. So, on X. Yeah, it's at underscore straight talk, but everywhere else is straight talk wrestling. You can hear me sitting next to this piece of fucking dog shit on New Frontier. You can hear me sitting next to the uncomparable Bill Chase, who even though he's a fucking piece of shit, I still respect the fucking guy. Uh, on uh, is Battle Arts even like a thing? Or <laughs> uh, I think they stream on the HWE network. Do they stream it on the HWE network? I'm pretty sure they do. Yeah. Okay, so then yeah, you can check us out on there, or I think they have a YouTube. I'm not 100 percent sure. They do. I'm not sure where any. I I haven't seen any of this footage since we recorded it. By the way, the last one we did might not sound that great because it was just one lavalier mic. So I'm not sure how that was. Thanks a lot, Ronch. Yeah. Yeah, I was not <laughs> nah, sure that was going to work out. But uh, yeah, check out the Straight Talk channel. Got a couple great interviews dropping. I'm not sure when this is dropping, but uh, got Green Phantom dropping this week. Got Kerry Morton dropping next week. So uh, a lot of good conversations coming up and. Uh, yeah, as always, uh, Hayes choke on a dick. All right. Well, fuck you, too. And, of course, like I said, uh, oh, we oh. have a lot of great shows here over at Schwab Wars. Next week on the program, we're doing another one of our specials, Never Have I Ever episodes, where last time it was Jordan showing my wife something that she's never seen. This time she gets to what the, the face. 
fuck? She oh, gets I, she gets to return the favor as Cassie will be showing Jordan the movie for the first time, Freaky Friday. Oh. <laughs> Jordan Lloyd has never seen it. It is the 20-year anniversary of this film. So she is going to sit down, he is going to watch it with her, and then afterwards he is going to review it with her. So that should be a whole lot of fun. Of course, they did something like this earlier in the year uh, when they watched, I believe it was the Lizzie McGuire movie. And then, of course, like I said last month, uh, he got to show her Die Hard. So now it's her turn to return the favor back to him, and she's showing him Freaky Friday. So Jordan, uh, any thoughts uh, before we watch this movie uh, next week? Not really, because I've never seen it, and I don't know if I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> well, of course, I'm looking forward to the being able to listen to review. And then, of course, after that, the following week, uh, we have our special Trivia Night episode where we have five individuals coming together to be able to see whether or not they can make it all the way to the very end, uh, featuring Mr. Bill Chase, of course, joining with that one. Uh, there's also Bruce Thunderstein, who is going to be joining us for that one, Gunnar Lang. The Wanderer Wade Allen and former Super Kick champion, the White Russian Anton Alexiv. So that is going to be a whole lot of fun. So be able to check that out. Till then, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Adam Hayes. Thank you very much. And we'll catch you on the next one.